Welcome to Healthcare 360. I'm your host, Scott Burgess. Join me in welcoming my guests as we'll discuss the ins and outs of the healthcare landscape and examine what is really happening inside big healthcare. I want to thank our guest on this episode of Healthcare 360 for sharing his truth, vulnerability, and transparency. Greg Gillies joins me today from Australia to give us a snapshot of how men and women grow up as competitive go-getters, constantly reaching for success after success, only to numb themselves through self-sabotage while feeling empty, lost, and in a crisis. Greg works with businessmen and women all around the world who struggle with this, and Greg intervenes before these successful leaders hit rock bottom. Greg knows firsthand what that feels like, and he is here today to tell us how he turned his life around, found vulnerability, and self-love. If you or a loved one is in need of help, Greg can be found at greggillies.com. That's G-R-E-G-G-I-L-L-I-E-S.com. Please consider sharing this podcast with a loved one, friend, or coworker. It's that tiny ripple that could help impact a life. Glad you're here to join us. And as always, thank you for being a part of the Healthcare 360 Nation. So you guys talking and going back and forth. I, I really want to talk about the bravado and how you overcome it and what all these guys really have just playing out wrong. I know you and I understand that there is no right and there is no wrong, but the, how they're not connected with their emotional self. And there is no, not enough of, I shouldn't say there is no, but there's not enough identity to their self-love and things of that nature. You know, the, again, the bravado, because it, I really do feel that a lot of men have issues with that and they feel that they have to be the strong one, emotionless. And it's not the case. They have to have, they have to be a good steward. And the way I look at it, they have to be a good steward of their emotions, their demeanor, their control, their progression, all that, all of it. Yeah. When we were talking the other day, I, I, I don't know if I showed this or was sitting there going back with it, but I'm like, man, I, I get the perfect person in front of me to talk about this. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's do it. Because I'm really looking to dive into that. Everybody, hey, welcome back. This is Scott Burgess, and I'm your host for the podcast, Healthcare 360. In front of me, he had a discussion the other day, and he's from the Down Under. We're sitting there, we're talking, and I just, I was looking for a person, a particular male, okay? We are going to talk about a lot of issues that are surrounding men, okay? And I'm sitting there, it was a void saying, man, we need to find someone who knows how to identify and who self-corrected himself, knows by example, on we go. Through LinkedIn, by chance, and I just instantly connected with this person, and there was just a synergy and a chemistry, and it was amazing. So I want to introduce everyone to Greg Gillies. You can find him at greggillies.com, and talking about just a moment ago about men and bravado and emotionless, and you have to be the strong one. Greg's been there. Greg's been at the top of the food chain corporately. He's also been at the bottom where he's broken himself down and he's recreated himself into this person who I'm telling you by the end of this cast, you're going to sit there and say, who the hell is this guy and how do we get in touch with them? So Greg, welcome to the show, man. I really, really am excited to have you here. Awesome. Thanks for having me, Scott. And yeah, it's a pleasure to be here. Oh, it's my pleasure, man. Down under, so you're a day in front of me, technically speaking, by 12 hours, but yeah. <laughs> I'm in the future. Right, right. <laughs> no kidding. 
going back to what I was just talking about a minute ago, there are a lot of men who are struggling with themselves. They really are, right? I know I self-identified myself struggling not even that long ago for that matter. As we're navigating through life and we're navigating who we are, how we can better perform and how we can better just serve other people and love and everything else like that. Give us a quick snapshot where you were, who you were before in the past. I'm actually born and grew up in New Zealand and a country kid, right? So I grew up in a town of 800 people, good upbringing, good morals, pretty safe environment and so forth. But I was very much a go-getter, played a lot of rugby union, then went off to boarding school. Um, I actually I actually made New Zealand age grade rugby, which is a really big honour for any New Zealand or Kiwi kid because the All Blacks is kind of like the backbone of our culture and our sport and so forth. Mm -hmm. And I just took that kind of success and drive and competitive nature throughout my life and and I took it into corporate and I took it into everything that I did. So everything that I did, I just pushed myself to be really, really successful. And it served me when I was younger but it actually started to disempower me when I become older. And I think this is a very common trait for a lot of not even alpha males, but just competitive driven males, because we're brought up to be strong and to tough and to be competitive and to win and to challenge ourselves and to show no weakness and to be strong. And I work with so many men who have been on a similar journey to me that they have literally done and worked their butts off and done whatever they can to create the success that they want and the fulfillment that they want. They get married and they have the kids or they try and grow the business or the corporate career. And then we have what's called a midlife crisis. Mm -hmm. And we kind of come to this defining moment of, hang on. I've just spent 20 years working my butt off to get everything that I thought was going to make me happy, and I'm not happy. I'm actually quite confused, quite lost, quite stuck, unfulfilled, unhappy, and a lot of men hit this point. Some of them can hit it as early as 30 and some until they're 50, and they really start to question themselves and they think there's something wrong with them. But because we've been brought up to be strong and show no emotion and to show no weakness and to just put on this bravado that we've got our shit sorted out and to just push through, Mm -hmm. we get to a point where this conditioning doesn't allow us to admit that we need help. So we just bottle it up, soldier on, and continue to push and do the old behaviors expecting a different outcome. But we end up kind of pushing ourselves into this rabbit hole and we start feeling worse about ourselves and we question ourselves. Society, especially men, we are now really, really stuck in our minds. So we've got the old programming from our upbringing, generational program, parental programming, all of this, be a hard, strong man. But it's combined now with the information age where we've got so much influence and so much information and so much opportunity coming at us that our brains are literally in conflict. And this is what I talk a lot of men about. When your brain is in conflict and you're stuck in your head and you overthink and you overanalyze and we're getting really distracted and these things are starting to become the biggest addiction, we just get so overwhelmed, frustrated, 
our emotions that we've held down and we haven't dealt with for years, they start bubbling up and it could show up as anger or sadness or depression or anxiety. And all of these emotions come up and we don't know how to deal with them because we've never been taught how to deal with them, right? Yeah. So we push them back down. And if you push those emotions down, it's like pushing a big balloon underwater. You can only hold it for so long. And when you let go of it, that balloon pops. And then we might have an anger outburst or we might have a frustration or we might do something that we regret and then whammo, we feel guilty, we put more pressure on ourselves and this cycle just keeps on getting worse. And so many men are stuck and confused. Yep. And they're like, I've done and everything that I thought I needed to do to become successful, to be happy and to be fulfilled, but I'm bloody miserable. But I'm so stuck that I don't even know how to ask for help or be vulnerable, which makes it even worse. That's where most men are at. As you're saying this, I'm literally envisioning in my head that there's a new neural pathway of something where we go from flow to we stop at particle and it's diverting from the natural self. It's diverting from what we know to be true. And because you say we just keep going back to that one point, we're now creating a new pathway of, no, this must be right. If I just keep pushing harder, if I just keep moving down that way, and then all of a sudden we quote unquote forget what we were designed to do was to be this loving being and this participating person in someone else's life. But and the result of it, you're breaking down. And whether that's a result of a mental breakdown or you're acting out some way, or like you said, you snap, that balloon pops. And what does that look like? No one really knows. Everyone has a different example of that. Going back to you corporately, where were you? What were you doing on your day-to-day? Why were you so busy? What I want to talk about there for a moment, is there, I believe there are a lot of men who are climbing that mountain, climbing that ladder, only to reach the top and going, that's great, but it's, it's really not, not that exciting up here by myself. So in the corporate ladder, so I left school not knowing what I wanted to do, kind of got pushed into the insurance industry from my counsellor and I did 10 years as an insurance broker and I climbed that corporate ladder and I didn't enjoy it at all. But I chased the money. I chased chased the growth. I chased the validation. I chased the significance. I chased the status and I chased the money thinking that when all that sort of stuff comes, I'll be happy, right? Mm Mm-hmm. After 11 years as an insurance broker and dabbling and doing a few side hustles because I'm an entrepreneur at heart and I really wanted to do my own thing, but I was so conditioned and locked into this corporate world that the fear of leaving the safety net of my job was so debilitating that my side hustles were literally just hobbies. So I was never ever taking it seriously because I was worried what if they find out that I'm trying to do something else Mm. and I'm talking to a lot of people nowadays that want to get out of corporate and we're going through the coronavirus as we speak about this and they want to go independent and they've got this block right and they're just like but what if I post content on LinkedIn about this other business and my boss sees it and and they're freaking out so I climbed that corporate ladder company that I was with, I got made redundant, they went into liquidation and I moved into digital marketing and then I climbed the corporate ladder again in digital marketing and I actually liked it and I wanted to be in digital, I loved it. I rose through a a US company, came into Australia and I worked for that company and I climbed that corporate ladder really fast because I adapted all the skills that I had in the insurance role 
And then I got headhunted into a few other roles to head up digital marketing technology companies for Australia and New Zealand. And then I got a contract to go to Singapore for two years to set up Southeast Asia for that US company and built a really successful business model over there. They had a financial issue and they shut down any global expansion. And I was literally growing Southeast Asia at 100 miles an hour. And they pulled all international funding. And I had to uproot my family out of Singapore and come back to Australia, even though it was no fault of my own. And that was the tipping point. So I'm not going to tell you all the other bounces in the road of my corporate ladder and all the times that I wanted to get out of corporate and do my own thing and be my own man. But that was the tipping point. And at that point, I had made enough money in the bank that I went out on my own. I come back to Australia, I got out of corporate and I went, that's it. I'm starting my own digital marketing agency with a bit of a boutique consulting side of things so I can build ad hoc business coaching, consulting, digital marketing strategies for small to medium businesses. Well, in my first year of launching that business was the hardest year of my life because I was not ready for the emotional onslaught of what is involved in being a sole entrepreneur and not having the cushy corporate salary, not having all the resources, the HR, the sales team and all that sort of stuff. Mm -hmm. My go-to when I'm stressed or I'm anxious was alcohol. And I started drinking more and more and more and more. And even if my business was growing good, all of these thoughts started coming into my head that it's going to fall over. I'm going to fail. My fear of failure was so debilitating that I just kept on drinking it down. I want to camp out there for a minute. Where did that come from? And what did it look like? I didn't know where it came from until I started on the healing journey to fix myself. Let's just talk generically, right? And this is quite confusing for a lot of men who especially who are driven, who are competitive, who are motivated, and who hustle and grind and push hard. Their unconscious programming from their upbringing, they actually feel like they're unloved, they're unworthy, they're unsafe, and they're not good enough. Regardless of how they are perceived in the marketplace of but he's making huge money. He's just had a contract in Singapore. He's got a beautiful home. He's got investments. On social media, he looks like he's got his shit together. I'm talking about me now. Mm-hmm. I've got a beautiful wife. I've got three beautiful kids. What more could you want? But on the inside, I was stressing. I was confused. I was frustrated. I was angry. I was blah, 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 blah. And it was all these deep underlying unconscious programs in my mind around not feeling good enough, not feeling worthy. The fear of failure was so debilitating that I started just self-sabotaging. And I was just constantly self-sabotaging. And I didn't want to self-sabotage. And I was just the roller coaster. What were some examples of that self-sabotage? What did it look like? So alcohol was a real bad self-sabotage. Self-talk, my self-talk and my internal dialogue. And the, just the noise and the chatter in my mind was just getting really, really intense. Mm-hmm. And that's why I was using the alcohol to just numb it, right? Just to slow it down and right. to just have a bit of a dopamine hit and just feel good. But that turned into a bad habit and I started drinking too much and I was getting alcoholic behaviors. Next day, I'd go to CrossFit. And I train like a crazy man out of guilt that I need to kind of flush the alcohol out of my body and keep fit <laughs> and strong. And it was just this vicious cycle of just yeah. negative self-talk, 
training too hard, which was breaking my body down, drinking too hard, which was breaking me down, anxiety attacks, the whole nine yards, right? And it just kept on getting worse. What's really particularly interesting about alcohol, probably worse than actual narcotics. And for this reason alone, narcotics like THC, for example, it doesn't stop the body from vibrating. Alcohol is the only stimulant that actually numbs the vibration of the body disallowing your body to connect to the world and to other people, you're literally numb. You're just a slate of mass or tissue, however you want to define it. And that's it. The more and more I hear about people resorting to alcohol, man, it's not that it's by design. My gosh, man, it really does more damage than we think. And it shuts us down completely. 100%. And part of my journey and part of the program and the work that I do. My wife is a holistic health coach and does a lot of energy work. And that is it. Alcohol is one of those mechanisms that we can use to disconnect. Mm -hmm. But it actually disconnects us from our true, authentic, spiritual self. And then we get stuck in this physical identity that we are not happy with, that we can't associate with, which causes more confusion. Most of the world's population are disconnected from themselves in that vein that we're talking about, energetically, spiritually, intuitively, and that's why we're stuck in our head, right? So if you want to connect with your higher self intuitively, it actually needs to come from your heart space. But to get into your heart space, you need to get out of your head. So many people are stuck in their head. This is where all the mental health is getting worse and worse and worse and worse is because the stories are going around. We're just, our brains are in conflict and we're trying to make all of our decisions from a mind that is confused, which is coming from an unconscious programming of Mm -hmm. I'm not good enough, I'm not worthy, I'm not loved, and it's negative. And it just creates this negative spiral, which then affects our autonomic nervous system, which puts our body out of balance. And then we have a chemical imbalance and our endocrine system's out of balance, and then our body's feeling sick, and then that wraps back up through our central nervous system into our brain, and we end up in this negative mind-body loop where we are so disconnected, we are so unbalanced, and we're actually creating illness and disease in our body, and it's just that slow burn. And then we pile stupid things like alcohol, gambling, addiction for that, just to get some sense of, dopamine, happiness, normality, or whatever, but it's driving the spiral. It's pushing pushing us down deeper into that rabbit hole. And then when men get stuck in that rabbit hole or on the journey down to that rabbit hole and they don't know how to be vulnerable, they try and deal with it themselves and it just keeps this whole big negative mechanism going over and over and over. Two things popping up in my head as, as you're going through all that. One, the word vulnerable. That's actually the most significant of the emotions is second to love. Love being the strongest, vulnerable being the second, because if you can make yourself vulnerable and allow those emotions to flow, ebb and flow like they should, then that's when you have true nature, where you know you're at a good place. The second thing is, just read a post on LinkedIn from a good friend of mine, Heather Haka. She was on the show, cosmetic nurse, very talented, very smart. But on her post, she talks about childhood tendencies of feeling unloved, unworthy, uh, not responded to. Our brain is like, nope, I'm not that. And you think you're moving past it because you're this big. But realistically, you haven't dealt with that, which is driving back to an earlier point. My story, real quick, went to a healer, someone just like your wife. I want to bring her into this topic too. I want to ask 
you, her being in her role and position as a professional in the holistic space, how did she deal with you? But we'll get there. Hold on. It's <laughs> <laughs> a whole other podcast. a whole other podcast right there, right? You know something? Maybe we can. I went back and you're not good enough. And I remember growing up, one of the things that I was really, really fearful of is my father, I would always help him out in the yard. He's always, you know, typical, go help him, son. And okay, no problem. Now, I grew up in Boston, Massachusetts. So he always would send me into the cellar. Okay. There was my ah for you at the cellar. <laughs> but he'd send me downstairs and say, hey, go get me the rents down in the cellar. I said, okay, no problem. So I'd go down there and he wouldn't be so specific. And I'm you know, looking all around and I'd, if I came up empty handed, I always got yelled at. I always felt demeaned. Oh. But I looked everywhere and he'd go down there and he'd find it in three seconds, you know, consistently. So when I went to go see my healer, one of the things that popped up firsthand was just not feeling sufficient enough. And this was key. When I went back and I saw myself and I spoke to myself again as that little boy, I stood there as myself now, being a successful 45-year-old male, speaking to a six, seven-year-old little boy, kneeling down and saying, hey, everything's going to be okay. Don't worry about it. Anytime before that, I was breaking down. I was getting nervous. I was getting into sweats. Now I look back, I'm like, eh, I've dealt with it. It's in the past and it's gone. My recommendation first for people that listen to this, and Greg's going to go into it a little bit more deeper than me, but if there's a moment in your life where you have some kind of conflict, go back and go talk to yourself as that child or that person, even if it happened like a week ago. Tell yourself it's going to be okay because it's going to be okay when you're alive at this moment and you go past it. Your wife, she's a holistic health coach. How did she deal watching the father of her children, the man that she loves, breaking down? Knowing a woman, she's not going to sit there and let that happen. One, what did happen? And then how does she help you come out of that? I've always had a bit of a love-hate relationship with alcohol. Quite often, We've been together since school. We've been together 24 years. So school as in college? Or? High school. High school, so okay. Wow. We've been through it all. We went through our 20s and our 30s, and we're now in our 40s. And she's seen the roller coaster that I've gone on and the emotional kind of ups and downs and upheavals. But it's kind of the roller coaster was high highs, low lows, but I was ultimately moving up. <laughs> you know what I mean? I was accumulating more in life and kind of, growing up and got to a few points where the drinking got too much and it was destructive and I used to rope her in and I used to try and get her to drink with me and that's how we I used alcohol as our real deep connection which now I look back was really sad but at the time I thought it was fantastic because of just what alcohol can do when I went into business for myself and I started drinking too much and I started really really sabotaging myself and my mental health just started going out of control that was when she was literally at the point of wanting to leave me. Um, so, yeah, we, we lived away from family, but um, she'd wrote me a many a letter telling me how she truly felt and how it was affecting the family, and that would be enough for me to rein it in and be good. It was all willpower-driven. There were some really sad moments, and she wanted the best for me. It was when I had my breakdown and my breaking point, and I surrendered, because she's been trying to help me for years. And I just said, 
I surrender, I have a problem, please help me get help, I'm serious this time. Then she just introduced me to the right people and I started doing the right work and I went on a really deep healing journey. How long it took me to get to a point where I was so broken that I would then ask for help and surrender and be vulnerable and just open myself up to say, I'm willing to do anything. This is what I try to help men avoid. Most men will get to a point where they are broken or they've lost something really dear to themselves before Mm -hmm. they'll stop and start working on themselves. And I want to try and be an advocate for men to just catch yourself early before you destroy your marriage or before you destroy your health, before you destroy your business or before something really nasty happens. Thank you for being that vulnerable. For everyone who's listening, Greg didn't know I was going to come over and ask that question. And the fact that he just openly spoke about it and then where he broke down. And congratulations to your wife, too, for having enough courage to step up and knowing what the difference was life with you in a certain role and a certain mindset, which was using alcohol versus not. Congrats to her, too. I mean, that that's huge. And for all those who are struggling out there and who are having a hard time uh, or saying, I can't get past this or whatever excuse you're going to come up with, you just heard a man be vulnerable and told you what it took to get past it. I want to recognize that, Greg. That's a huge point right there. And, it, and it's, a, it's unbelievable value because she did it. You surrendered. And listen to that word. You surrendered. I need help. Help me. Teach me. Mentor me. And then now how, how you're morphing into helping other people do the same thing. It's wonderful. Yeah. That was literally my turning point. How long ago was that, by the way? Uh, that was about three and a half years ago. Mm, okay. I'd started my business. I was drinking quite heavily. I didn't know when to stop. The kids and my wife would go to bed. I'd continue drinking and quite often two, three times a week, I'd drink myself to a blackout and I can't remember taking myself to bed. And then I'd wake up feeling just awful. And then one night, I remember it vividly, it was a Tuesday night. I had drunk probably six or eight beers and my wife had had one wine with me. Well, I ended up drinking the rest of her bottle of wine, opening up another bottle of wine and drinking that bottle of wine and literally blacking out and passing out in bed. And I woke up in the middle of the night in the fetal position beside my bed having a major panic attack. And I thought I was dying. I thought that this was the end and I was just having the most horrific thoughts And I was crying and I was just thinking, my wife and my children are better off without me. What is wrong with me? Why do I keep on doing this? Why am I such a failure? And I just had all these horrible, horrible, horrible thoughts. And I was was in a bad, bad place. And that was, I finally got back to bed. She settled me down. I went back to bed. And that was the next morning I woke up. That's when I surrendered. And I just went, enough's enough. Something really snapped in me. Just what I experienced after that alcohol-induced blackout. And that's when I surrendered and I just said, I'll do whatever it takes. I have a problem. I have a serious problem and I'll do whatever it takes. And and I did. I, I went to AA for three months to stop the alcohol. But I, I honestly thought that the alcohol was the problem. I blamed everything on the alcohol. Sure. It wasn't the alcohol. The alcohol was just the mechanism and the symptom that I used 
to disguise and to numb and to bury the true problems. And the true problems were all of my unconscious programs and belief systems. Now, I went off to boarding school when I was 14 years old. And one of the reasons why I went to boarding school is because I was really good at rugby. But the other reason why I went to boarding school is because my father and I used to fight a lot. And he Mm -hmm. was a big drinker and he used to come home drunk and angry quite often. And we used to fight. And my mum was quite worried that it was going to get quite physical and violent because I was getting big. I was a rugby player. And me going off to boarding school, in my mind as a 14-year-old, I was thinking, this is the best thing in the world. I made New Zealand rugby team and this is an adventure and all that sort of stuff. But I didn't realise until the time when I was 39 years old and I went on this healing journey that I created these programs in my unconscious brain that I was getting kicked out of the family. I wasn't wanted, I wasn't loved, I wasn't good enough and I wasn't worthy because my two brothers didn't go to boarding school. They stayed living with the family and I was off to boarding school. And I didn't realize from the age of 14 to 39 that this unconscious programs in my brain was what was driving me to be this massive overachiever and to push myself so, so hard at everything that I did is because I was constantly looking for other people's validation and recognition and approval of me because I didn't feel good enough in myself. But for years, I thought that my drive and my motivation was a massive positive without understanding. It was a massive negative unconscious beliefs that was causing the drive that every time I achieve something, I just move the goalposts. Not good enough, need more, not good enough, need more. And I was doing it to the detriment of my wife, my children. My children were seeing the worst of me. My health was horrible, the whole nine yards. So when you're in that place, you can't see or even comprehend where I'm at now, like just unfathomable, going on a deep healing and self-discovery journey. Whoa. (laughs) Yeah. Amazing. Unbelievable. Start walking us through that. So you had the breakdown, and I'm telling you, you, your story is unbelievable. So many people go through it. Let me back up for a second. How many people annually go through what you went through when you had your breakdown? Men, women alike. Gender doesn't matter at this point because there are women who have the same issues. I would anticipate that 95% of the world's population are struggling unconsciously. It doesn't mean they are using alcohol like I used to use alcohol. Mm. Um, They could be using food, could be their addiction. This is the new addiction, right? their phone because mm-hmm. they're disconnected from themselves that they're coming here for a sense of validation and identity because they don't know who they are. Maybe even 99% of the world's population are struggling with this brain and conflict thing that I spoke about. Yeah. Where the unconscious brain believes one thing, but the conscious mind wants another thing and they are worlds apart and they're just constant clashing. So every time they go and motivate themselves to achieve something their unconscious brain turns up and makes them self-sabotage right and it's just this constant battle and then it turns into mental health issues and then they reach for these external things to give them some sort of comfort or validation or they start people pleasing or they go oh if i climb that corporate ladder and i get that next position and i make that more money then my status will make me feel like i've made it and then within 6 months they're just like but i'm feeling the same mm-hmm. okay maybe i need to climb to the next level the reason why i work with men is because i understand them at their core 
and what they go through. And most men have never been taught how to deal with their emotions and to hold them down. And they just compound, right? And they just compound and compound and compound. And then we try and achieve this external validation and significance and, and success as a way of justifying that we are good enough and that we understand our identity. And then when the fulfillment doesn't come, it's confusing. And then it just snowballs, right? You mentioned a minute ago that you had all this noise upstairs. What does that noise sound like? It's just constant self-doubt, chatter. It's just like, there's these two minds, right? It's just like, okay, I'm going to build this business. I'm going to create success. Oh, yeah, but what about that? No, no, no. What about that? Oh, but what if that happens? Oh, but, but, and you just constantly did it, did it, did it. And it's like stopping yourself. And then you start doing something and it gets hard and it tests you and it challenges you. And all of a sudden something pops up on Facebook and we get shiny object syndrome. And we get distracted and we go, oh, maybe if I did that, it'll help me get there. And then we end up just wasting our time and our money and our energy. And it just reinforces that we're not moving forward, that we're not focused, that we're not good enough and all that sort of stuff. It's so dynamic. Hmm. But what it really comes down to is everybody's brains are in conflict. By the age of 35, 30 to 35, and this is quoted by Dr. Bruce Lipton, who is one of the most advanced neuroscientists in the world. I follow him very closely. By the age of 30, 95% of our unconscious mind's programming has come from external mm-hmm. situations, whether it's parental programming, educational, culture, religion, demographic, psychographic, the whole nine yards. No wonder why when people get into their 30s and 40s, they don't even know what their identity is, is because they've spent the last 20 years going and achieving or doing something that they were programmed or taught or kind of pushed or encouraged to do from someone else, which is not actually who they are at their soul level Mm and their calling. And they put so much time and energy into something that they get to a point where they're stuck in it. Most of the people that I talk to in corporate are that. They're just like, I never actually wanted to do this, but now I've put myself in a position where I earn good money, I'm up the food chain, I've got a mortgage, I've got kids, I've got family, I've got this. It's just like, I can't back out. Yeah, I'm back down because I've, I've got too much responsibility. And then the pressure of all that responsibility just weighs on them and they're just carrying the weight of the world. You're absolutely right. You get in this trap and you don't even know that you're building that trap. And all of a sudden you have all this responsibilities, most of it, if not all of it, financially. And then as soon as you let go of the golden handcuffs, boom, you toast and you go into debt and no one wants to get quote unquote financial black mark if someone goes bankrupt and no one wants that. And yeah, you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. The thought of losing any sort of financial gain that they have worked so hard to achieve is debilitating. And that is why most people are so locked in and one-dimensional around materialistic and external success that most people are losing sight of love and connection, self-love. Like men, self-love. A lot of people grew up, like I grew up, if you said you love yourself, you'd get tarnished. They're just like, oh, oh yeah. you're so vain. You love yourself. Who are you? What a loser. Remember it's that? Just like yeah. That sort of programming 
when the number one thing that I've done in the last four years is figure out how to love myself so I can be content and happy. And when my love bucket's full, I'm a better husband. I'm a better father. I'm a better businessman. I'm a better friend. Right. I'm better in community groups. That's unbelievable that you just said that because we literally grew up on the opposite sides of the world and we're pretty close to the same age. But yet, that same tarnish, as we just call it, or stigma for self love, you're so vain. Ugh. I can't believe you love yourself. Right, it's across like- the world. Just at dinner tonight, we're sitting down with my daughter. I have four daughters. I was sitting down and I just had a session with my functional neuropath who I see every two weeks on a Saturday. Can't miss him. I really look forward to going. He was asked me to go back and look at a certain point in time in my life. And I'm there and he goes, okay, well, now I want you to think of who you love the most. It wasn't a trained response. I really do unconditionally love my wife. And I tell my girls this all the time, but I'm like, your mother came first, you came second. <laughs> I really do love my wife that much. And, and he was like, nope. And I knew it. Before he even said it, I knew it. And he goes, you have to love yourself first. It's the old airline thing where you have to put your own oxygen on first before you go help somebody else. And I explained that to my daughters sitting down at the dinner table tonight. It's okay for you to love yourself wholeheartedly now in this moment and just being because you're able to do that you're able to give it to somebody else and they're like "Uh uh-huh yeah we know dad Mm -hmm." they get it you know the age like you're moldable up into a certain age so i'm just glad that they're at the age where they're like hearing their father say it's okay to love yourself and but yeah you're absolutely correct so i'm a completely different father now let me explain to you what the typical married man does sure He doesn't love himself because of the programming when he grew up and maybe his parents didn't say they loved him enough, even though they did love him because they were never taught because they come from a generation Mm -hmm. where they don't use the word love themselves, right? So this is a generational program that's passed down. Then he goes into an education system where it's pass or failure. And if you fail, you're a failure. And then we get taught that through the education system to fear failure. So all of a sudden he's unloved. He has a fear of failure. And then he lives a life of comparison and judgment and he looks at the other guy and he assesses the other guy's life by the car he drives, the suit he wears and the house that he lives in, thinking that he must be happy just because he's financially in a better position than me. Now, I work with multi-millionaires who are completely miserable because they neglected everything to create the wealth. And he gets married and it's the honeymoon period and everything's fantastic. And then they have children and then the communication with the wife changes. And then it starts becoming quite stressful. Mm-hmm. And then the split with the wife and the intimacy dies. And then he feels unloved by his wife because his wife, when they first got together, used to fill his love bucket yep. because he could fill it himself. Now she's not filling the love bucket and the communication and the connection is dropping And he doesn't love himself, so he can't fill his own love bucket. Mm -hmm. So he turns to his children and he gets the love from them because it's unconditional at a young age, right? But Mm -hmm. he still doesn't love himself. And then he's saying to his kids all of the things that he wants them to be when they grow up so he doesn't end up like them, but they don't hear the words, they see the behavior, and they grow up to be like dad anyway. Mm -hmm. And then he's scared that he's failing his children. And it's just this vicious cycle. Because between the age of zero and seven, our children don't have their own conscious programming and everything 
or their neural pathways are developed based on what they see, hear, and the behaviours of other people. And here's dad upset with himself, angry, frustrated, not getting ahead, fighting about money, fighting with mum, and the children are just like, business means unhappiness, okay? Marriage means unhappiness, okay? Dad doesn't love himself, okay? And then they grow up to be like their dad and the generation thing. So I had to get to a breaking point to have a wake-up call to go on a deep, deep journey that it wasn't about the alcohol, it was about my unconscious programming. And once I sorted my unconscious programming and my mindset and my belief systems and figured out who I truly was and recreated my identity, then I could fix my physical health and I could get my body back in shape Mm -hmm. because the stress had reduced. And then I could connect with my higher self. And then I got my mind, body, soul in align. And what that has enabled me to do is see that everybody else is stuck and struggling. When I was stuck and struggling, I couldn't see it. When I healed myself, I can walk down the street and look at a man and I can sense his energy and I can go, he is deeply miserable. Before, I'd see him wearing a nice suit about to get into a Porsche and I'd be like, man, I wish I had his life. (laughs) But now I'm just like, I wonder why that guy's demeanor, energy and body is like that. He's deeply sad and he's about to hop into a Porsche. So my perception how I view other human beings is completely transformed. Mm -hmm. And because I've gotten out of my head and I can live from my heart, I am naturally empathetic and compassionate about other people that I don't judge them on what they have externally. I can identify and connect with them for where they're at as a spiritual being. Then they can kind of open up and they can go on a journey to self-realization. And that's, that's, this is why I do the work that I do. I had no intention of being a life coach. Let me tell you what I'm thinking, okay? And I'm trying to put myself in someone else's shoes right now that has gone through what you've gone through. And they've made the snap, boom. They want to make that change. And you just listed self-love, healing, identifying now because you have an energy-based connection. What is step number one? What do they need to do once they make that realization saying, it's got to stop or I'm going to stop? So step number one is the hardest step is because they need to be able to be comfortable in realizing that being vulnerable is a strength and not a weakness. When they can be vulnerable and they can take the mask off and drop the facade and they can find someone that they can relate to, to be open and honest about how they feel, they have just set intentions and activated their healing process and the healing process starts in the mind they have to get their mind sorted out Mm -hmm. because we are slaves to our mind our mind and our brain was supposed to be a servant to help us achieve in the physical world but we've become slaves to our mind is because our mind is in massive conflict and we don't even know who we are and we believe the thoughts Mm. and the processes that are going in our mind which are self-fabricated, like it's that saying, people worry about what they think other people are thinking of them. The other person's not even thinking it, but we're worried about what they're thinking that they might be thinking about us. And that there, (laughs) so now as we go through these lockdown, COVID pandemic and stuff, 
as much as there's a lot of heartache and a lot of adversity and a lot of people are losing money and stuff, it's also a blessing in disguise because it's forced people to slow down and to self-reflect and to check in on what's important. You've been forced yeah. to be home with your family. Mm-hmm. Oh, why don't you have a communication and spend some quality time with your wife? Ah, oh, <laughs> why don't you play with your kids and all put your cell phones in the drawer for a night? Ah, oh, what's important in life? And it has made people, a lot of people, right. self-reflect to the point of, I'm making change. Right. And I hope in six months' time from now they hold true to that and they don't go into the old neurotic workaholic patterns again and neglect what's truly important we've actually had enough time to recreate a neural pathway with new habits that should be able to stick long term because they're new habits and frankly when i go back i always talk about this now is because i love going on walks with my wife i love it love it love it love it i don't know what it looks like anymore when i didn't do that so when i think about the pandemic and covid and everything that we're living right now Look at the time frame. It takes anywhere between 45 and 90 days to create a new pathway, a new habit. It is truly a blessing in disguise. And it's funny how the world works. I think the world needed to slow down. I'm not disrespecting the amount of heartache and pain and suffering that some people are going through. But the world needed to slow down. Mother Nature needed the world to slow down. We were destroying this earth at a mm-hmm. rapid rate of knots. It's just been so good for people to come back to what is true and what's real because we've just gotten out of control. Yeah. This whole corporate greed, materialism, significance, striving for something that they don't even know what they're striving for, it just got out of control. And I really, really do hope that people carry these new programs, these new behaviors, these new habits. And that's the area that I want to work in for the rest of my life is to make people really focus on what's truly important. So let me ask you this. In all seriousness, I want you to just, uh, you've been as vulnerable as you've been, but what makes you you? Because there are a lot of people who are seeking you out, and there are a lot of people who know the value that you're going to bring and the change that you're going to bring to their life. What's your special sauce, man? What is it about Greg Gillies that makes people just turn on? Boom. There is nothing special about me, and my answer is going to be relevant to every single human being on this planet. Your journey is your value to the world. So my journey of being that hustle, grind, pushing, competitive businessman, beer drinking, rugby playing, blah, 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 to a breakdown, to then a breakthrough and really starting to identify who I truly am and living a life of purpose and meaning and significance and all of that sort of stuff. So many other men want to live a life of significance and purpose and love and all that sort of stuff. They just don't know how mm-hmm. because they're not in control of their mind. They don't know what their identity is. They're disconnected from their spiritual self. The reason why my LinkedIn, my Facebook, my website and all that sort of stuff is I help businessmen and executives create success, love and happiness is because my superpower is to work with other men who can resonate and relate to my journey and are stuck and are at a point where they've tried themselves to change, but they don't know how to. And now they're looking for someone who gets them, who understands them at the core. Mm-hmm. And most of the guys, that I work with are that driven, competitive, was growing up to be tough man, hard enough. Dad was a good dad, but he was hard on you and 
got to grow up to be a strong man, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Our parents and our teachers and our grandparents and everybody did the best that they could do based on the resources they had available. Absolutely. But we still grow up to have our own shit, our own baggage, our own disconnection. And it's getting worse because the world is speeding up and technology and information and just the digital environment is speeding up. That if people don't stop, put their hand up and be vulnerable and say, I want want to work on myself at the deepest level. I'm not talking about personal development. I'm not talking about reading books and getting more information. This isn't about information. This is about transformation. This is about going deep, deep, deep and identifying what is causing you all of this conflict and pain and suffering and deal with it. I educate men against a lot of the noises out there. So, so many people just saying that ego is the enemy. You need to kind of fight your ego and all that sort of stuff. I call bullshit. Your ego is your inner child and your inner teenager trying to protect you based on a programming of I'm unloved, I'm unsafe, I'm not good enough, and I'm unworthy. Whenever somebody challenges you at work or something, that inner child or your wife challenges you, that inner child comes out to protect you and puts this big stubborn hard front on. We need to heal our inner child and our inner teenager so that we can become the mature adult who is more enlightened, who's more connected with himself, who can love himself, who can drop down out of his mind quiet in his mind and live from the heart space and be balanced right be really really balanced so many people say to me there's no such thing as a work-life balance and i call bullshit i said everybody's got choices sure you can create whatever you want you might spend more time in your business but it doesn't mean you neglect your spiritual health it doesn't mean you neglect your mental health you don't neglect your partner you don't neglect those things you just bring them all together and will it be a rocky road? Of course. We live in a crazy world, right? Yeah, like we're yeah. always going to have problems. That's the one thing right there that like, really a lot of people are going to resonate with right there, Greg, is that they think it's like this smooth, brand new pavement type of a road that you're not going to feel any bump. It's a bunch of shit. I mean, you're going to have ebbs and flows. But it goes back to the word you just use in choice. Like when you choose how to deal with it, when you choose how to accept it, Moreover, when you choose how to just notice it, that's Self-awareness it. is the gateway to self-love. Oh, no doubt. So I'll tell you a funny story. So this is a real quick one. Since the pandemic and we've been in house quarantine, my family has started a Facebook Messenger group chat. It's a question of the day and based on who has the best answer or by consensus or what someone resonated the most they are then awarded the next question of the day. They get to ask the next question. I won twice. And so for all my family members that are listening, yes, I do it on purpose, (laughs) okay? (laughs) Because being from Boston, I'm telling you, everyone knows someone because someone's related to somebody who knows somebody who knows somebody. But on top of it, there's a lot of suppression that goes up there with feelings and emotions and everything else. My question today, getting to my point is, I specifically asked a question So what have been the greatest moments of failures that have led to the greatest moments of success in your life? Go. I am not letting them off the hook by any stretch. But if someone's not replying, I'm just poking them. Hey, where's your answer? To my brother or my mother or someone like that. Where's your answer? No one talks about that shit and they're afraid of it. Again, it goes back to that bravado. And I don't believe just because 
you're a woman that you don't have bravado or like, oh, I can't talk about that stuff because they're suppressing that stuff because it's a learned response, right? To that point of male and female, there's the whole masculine feminine dynamic that's shifted in the last probably 20 years oh, as well, yeah, right? Yeah, 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 no doubt. Men have lost their masculinity because they think they need to be softer and more feminine and loving and then they're not being the man and then the woman is becoming more masculine and there's just all that dynamic. So that just adds another layer of confusion to yeah, the modern day. Yeah. We're primal. We're the hunters, gatherers and all that sort of stuff. But if you think about a caveman... He could switch his fight or flight to go and get the food and he could come back and then he could switch into parasympathetic and then he could rest in the cave and be loving and all that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. We are now primal men living in a world where we're constantly getting chased by that lion and that tiger. We're constantly in that fight or flight. We're constantly in that survival stress and we're getting hit with social media and we're getting hit with conflict and self-doubt and all that sort of stuff that we are just breaking down. We are literally killing ourselves. If we don't sort ourselves out, slow down, deal with our mind, deal with our body and reconnect with who we are, it's just a slow burn, right? It's like the frog in the pot story. If you throw a frog into a hot pot of water, it'll jump straight back out. But if you put a frog in a pot of warm water and you turn on the heat and it slowly rises, it'll boil to death because it doesn't notice the gradual change. Right. This is what we're doing to ourselves men. We're going through this gradual change of falling to bits to a point where we feel so stuck that we don't think that there's any solution and we can't do anything about it. And there is. My God, there is. Yeah. If you just put your hand up and say, I need help. As simple as that sounds, that first step is the most difficult thing to do. So, Greg, you're a very smart person. What are you reading right now that you make some really strong recommendations for people to look into? Atomic Habits, James Clear. Tell us about it a little bit. So it's just understanding the behavior of habits. There's a lot of books out there around habits, but I've actually created a group coaching program for men and to help them understand that most men's values are out of line because their values are based on who they want to be perceived as who they truly want to be at their identity and then just breaking down the whole stack into yeah the little tiny daily habits is what needs to change the big big values and behaviors so i'm just researching into that stuff around how habits are formed and the knowledge of habits i read a lot of a little bit more spiritual i highly recommend the power of love by james van prague because that is a book that I give to all of my coaching clients to get them to start becoming more aware of what self-love means mm-hmm. and what connecting with yourself means. And it's just a real eye-opener for men. So for any alpha males struggling men out there, I would dive into any sort of book that is going to help them create new habits because it's what it's the small habits that are going to change the behaviors, which are going to change the beliefs, which are going to change the values and it's just restacking because so many men think that change has to be this audacious big thing right they create it in their head that it's so big that it ends up creating the self-sabotage of procrastination because it's too big but change comes from just the little things that you do every day which takes us back to that point of people have changed their habits in lockdown mm-hmm. and those little habits are going to change the, the destiny of their life without them realizing it. One percent is over 10 years is massive, right? Yeah, no kidding. 
podcasts. What are you listening to that makes a difference in your life every day? I used to read a ton, listen to a ton, and take on a ton of information, but I've calmed it right, right, right down because the true information that we need for ourselves, we already have inside of ourselves, and Mm -hmm. we need to be quiet and calm to be able to meditate and tap in and listen to our own intuition because it'll give us the answers. Reduced it right down. So I actually recommend to a lot of people that if you're going to follow an influencer or you're going to listen to some podcasts, choose one or two, maybe three max of somebody who really relates that's going to help you and just really hone into their message if it's going to help you to get to where you want to be. So to answer your question, I've always been a fan of Tom Bilyeu, Impact Theory. I love his because he focuses on all the quadrants of life. And I'm actually Alex Sharpen's business coaching framework at the moment. So I follow his podcast and he just does like a 10 minute podcast each morning, which speaks directly to entrepreneurs. And he's doing a lot of work at the moment around helping people through COVID Mm -hmm. and just being real about what it actually means economically and pivoting businesses and so forth. So those are my two, but that is specific to where I'm personally at in life. Final questions yours. What would you like to tell everybody? Figure out how to love yourself. Work on loving yourself. Give yourself some time. Slow down. Be patient with yourself. Be kind to yourself. And just give yourself a break. Seriously. Yeah, right on. We are our own worst enemy. Stop pushing yourself so hard. You don't deserve to be pushed like that. You need to just give yourself some space, some time, and just relax. I love it. That's amazing. Spot on, Greg. It is spot on. If this made sense, reach out to Greg. We'll put a link to his website, uh, greggillies.com. Everything that he mentioned as far as books and podcasts he is listening to, maybe that will help you in your snap that's going to help you get to the next level of where you are. I know this podcast is going to help a lot of people. I know Greg is going to be able to help a lot of people because of this podcast. I'm grateful to have you on the show. I'm grateful for your vulnerability and sharing your story. Frankly, you just spoke about like it just just rolled off your tongue. It was in the spirit and hope that someone else is going to learn from that and know that there's, there's just hope out there and there's a way out. And you even spoke that you felt at one point you were going to die. You thought that was it. You know, halfway across the world sharing a story. And what's really cool, I can't get past this one thought almost the same age, we're completely on different sides of the planet, but yet the same bravado scenarios were happening up in Boston, Massachusetts versus in the down under. Now you're looking for someone who went through my own healing process and someone who's now teaching men how to do the same thing. It's amazing. The world is what you make of it. You make your choice every day. Check Greg out. Greg, I can't thank you enough, man. I appreciate it. I love doing things like this. If it can just impact one person's life, it's so worth it, right? Right. Well, it's a ripple effect. I mean, you get one person, they cause another ripple, and it just keeps going and going and going. Everyone, this is Healthcare 360. I'm your host again, Scott Burgess. Thank you for joining. We appreciate you, and we'll see you in the next one. Take care, everybody. Dude, amazing. Amazing. Again, Greg's openness to share his story demonstrates his determination to help others to become self-aware and know that being kind to yourself 
loving yourself, and actually giving yourself a break is a good thing. If you like Healthcare 360 and enjoyed the conversation, please share this podcast and give us a review. If you haven't already done so, please subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or anywhere you enjoy listening. If you want the conversation to continue, you can find us on Instagram at Scott E. Burgess or scotteburgess.com. If you'd like to have a conversation or discuss a topic option on Healthcare 360, please look for the calendar link in the podcast notes below and let's set up a time to talk. I hope this conversation empowers and educates HC360 Nation's best and brightest, and I look forward to building our relationship. Thanks again. This is Scott Burgess, and from all of us with the Healthcare 360 team, we'll see you next time.